0: A lot's been said about men in the press of late. I don't know whether you noticed it, but it's usually a, a long, um, ongoing list of uh, bad news about what men have done. Um, usually pretty sad, sad stories uh, are being reported. A um, bunch, uh, bunch of bad news. Usually men doing things to hurt other people, really. Uh, men using their strength to harm others. Uh, stories of abusing uh, women, uh, domestic violence. Is, uh, is making uh, the headlines pretty regularly, uh, the way that men are uh, using their power to hurt um, women. Uh, examples, I guess, ongoing examples of uh, men using their strength for their own ends, uh, their strength being hijacked by their passions and their anger to, uh, to destroy things. And uh, one of the things I think this does in our culture is... Um, it's kind of uh, in large part I think men are being neutralized in terms of being strong uh, and being significant kind of uh, people in our culture would would anyone here agree with me about that it's it's an awkward place to uh, be a man a strong man at times because uh, male strength is something that people tend to recoil at a little bit rather than uh, welcome because of its uh, its abuse Uh, men being strong is not particularly PC anymore, uh, politically correct. Even on uh, Fruit Ninja, uh, sorry, Australian Ninja Warrior. Um, you uh, you saw a bunch of men get up there, and I don't know about you, but if you watch some of it, I watched some of it, and you see these guys get up who are really ripped and really buff, right? And I just went, mate, you're just a show pony, right? Because he's just getting. Uh, you just you know that competitions like that, the people that get through are the ones that look like spiders. Not the ones that look like big hulks, like they're just not going to make it. But it's almost like uh, Australian Ninja Warrior was like, a, a man can stand up and look strong, uh, but he's, he can't do anything with it, if, if that makes sense. It's almost like there's been a neutralising effect of our culture a little bit on men being strong. You can be nice and you can be buff, but we're a bit concerned and a bit, bit worried about what you're going to do with that. And probably for good reason, uh, because of the, uh, the news cycle that kind of goes on. So it's an interesting question, Uh, you know, if I were to ask you, do you want and do you think it'd be good for there to be a lot of really strong men around? It'd be interesting to know what your instinctive kind of reaction to that is, because I'm not just talking about physically, although I think that's part of it. Um, I think in our culture there's probably not a lot of space, at, at least in the media, for strong men, is there? but uh, so incredibly critical. You see, we've got this idea that strong men damage stuff. That's kind of the idea that we've got, rather than strong men do good things. Makes us think a little bit, I uh, I suspect, about the 24-7 news cycle. Um, <laughs> the news is almost always bad. Have you noticed that? I mean, the 24-7 news cycle, it's like... It's, it's always about bad stuff that's going on. That kind of is the stuff that gets, hits the headlines. Good new, every now and then there's a good news story and you just go, Oh my goodness, there is actually some sanity in the world somewhere. Uh, but most of the time it's just bad news that's getting paraded in this news cycle. You see, no one reports on the dads that got up this morning and were thinking about how to love their wives and their children. No one reports on that. No one reports on the dads that got up this morning so that they could earn some money to put food on the table for their families and pay for their kids' schooling. like That doesn't make the headlines, does it? No one reports on the dads that got up this morning and committed themselves to love and care for their kids today, even if they're tired, even when their kids don't appreciate it. Like No one reports on that. Um, the news generally is not about that stuff, but what I want to say to you this morning is Father's Day is about that. It is about that. It's about the good news. It's about... The good news that gets unnoticed. It's about us slowing down and stopping and noticing um, the good news that's going on. Here's the bottom line. God made men strong. Physically and internally. And I don't want you to just get sidetracked. It's a bit weird. Like if I stand up and I start talking about men... In our culture, it's like what you're supposed to do, you have this voice, I have this voice in the back of my head sometimes that says, I've got to say all these nice things about females too and then I've got to say this about that one and that one and this person and you end up nuancing so much you never say anything at all. Does anyone know what I'm talking about? I don't know whether you've ever been and listened to a speaker and they nuance everything to make sure that no one's offended and no one's helped by it at the end of it because they're so concerned about making sure people aren't offended. So today, I'm not going to qualify everything that I say right. I'm not going to nuance it, so I'm not bagging anyone else. None of what I'm saying today is a comparative thing with someone else. I'm not comparing to women, I'm not comparing to wives, I'm not comparing to mums, I'm not doing any of that. I'm just talking about dads and men. So if you're not a dad and you're a man, today hopefully is going to be helpful to you as well. Or if you're a wannabe man because you're not quite old enough yet, uh, this hopefully will be uh, helpful to you as well. God created men to have dominion, not for their own sake, but for the sake of God, others and the whole created world. Men can either exercise their strength on behalf of other people or on their own behalf. God actually made men, made dads strong so that they could lead their families. Let's just read this scripture from Genesis 1. And just actually, let me set it up for you quickly before we go into that. In Genesis 1, what you've got right at the beginning is God creates the heavens and the earth and it's void, right? And into that void, what actually happens is God comes in and he exercises dominion and rulership and his kingship over this void and he creates something good and he creates a space in which things can thrive and life can happen, all right? So... Maybe in, inside your heads, when you hear someone talking about dominion, you kind of get the shakes a bit, right? But you've got to realize that God's dominion over the world is a good div- dominion. It's good for the people in the world, it's good for the world, it creates a space for life and vitality to actually happen. And right at the end of Genesis chapter 1, this is what happens. Then God said, Let us make man in our image, after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the heavens, and over the livestock and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in His image. In the image of God He created him, male and female He created them. And God blessed them and God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on the earth. Here's the bottom line. God has ultimate dominion over all of that and then at the end of Genesis 1 He says, I'm creating... Humanity, I'm creating man and woman and I'm giving you guys dominion in a lesser sense over the works of my hands, alright? Here's the bottom line, uh, men were created for dominion, they created to rule something. I mean I remember hearing a preacher saying a while ago, like you could just, most men, young men could just start with their pants, like just get dominion over their pants, Alright? But the bottom line is, like, you just gotta, you gotta get a, you gotta carve out a piece of what you're supposed to have dominion over, whatever that is in this world, and have dominion and rule it for good, you know, like it's I. I uh I often say, and you know, I used to say to uh, junior high boys, like that, you know, we find I'd find out as a teacher that some junior high boys going out with this girl. I'm just going, okay. So, have you got a car? No, I don't have a car. Do you have your license? No, I don't have my license. Do you have a house or can you pay rent? No, I don't have that either. Do you have a job? <laughs> they don't have any of it. It's like, buddy, before you actually find a female to go out with, right? Get some dominion. Find a, find the space that God wants you to operate in and be in charge and have some leadership and really healthy rulership over that space. Get a car, get a job, get somewhere to live and then you can think about um, what would happen if you had a a female as well that you were connected with. You see men use their dominion. I don't know whether you see this but men will exercise dominion and and the, the difference is whether they exercise dominion on behalf of someone else or for themselves. And whenever men exercise dominion for themselves it tends to go messy you see uh, you probably see that uh, scripture up on the screen there and it's very natural to start thinking about environmentalism at this point at some level because what God actually called humanity to do what God called men to do and women but what God, God called men to do is guard and keep the garden exercise dominion over it now you know and you can probably think of examples where humanity has done that well where we've exercised good governance over creation and you could probably think of other examples where we in a sense we and this is the word that's been used we rape creation we exploit creation for our own ends and maybe you, when i was uh, a little bit younger i remember people talking about that in the amazon and I'm, I'm, i understand it's probably still happening over there but we're just like just clear felon and just like we're just going to get out of this thing whatever we can get out of for our, our own ends See, that kind of dominion is not the kind of dominion that God's talking about here. That's exploitation. See, God's dominion brings about order. It makes things hospitable for humanity. It's a healthy, productive place. Exploitation takes power and uses it for its own ends. It's about treating someone unfairly so that you can personally benefit from it. And I want to suggest to you this morning that God made fathers strong to exercise dominion for the good of God, others, their families... And the world. Here we go. Here's the first point. God made fathers strong so that the family has a solid foundation. See, the foundation that dads create for their kids is kind of meant to be the one that their kids don't even notice that much. If you watch uh, rugby league, you know that a good, or any sport, but we'll just go with rugby league, you know that a good referee is one that you don't notice. The game just flows. The game's able to happen. You sit there and you watch and you're not even noticing this guy running around in a pink shirt, which is weird, I think. But what's the referee doing? The referee is actually exercising strength and leadership in the game so that a game can actually happen. The referee is actually providing a solid foundation on which the game can actually take take place. You see, it's it's dependent upon the ref. The, The ref's the one that needs to create this strong foundation. Why? So that all of the athletes playing rugby league can be the best that they can possibly be. You see, the leadership and the exercising of the strength of the ref means there's a structure that allows the players to focus on the game. They're not generally worried about being king hit or spear tackled when they're playing rugby league. They're thinking about playing the game. Why? Because the referees are there and they're providing a good structure from which that can happen. You see, if the ref wasn't there and it was kind of no-holds-barred on the rugby league field, that would limit the, the extent to which these athletes can display their abilities. You see, kids are like the players in rugby league and dads are like refs that provide a good foundation. And I don't mean literally, although that's probably the case sometimes, all right? You get home and you say, I've just been refereeing for the last 35 minutes. Um, and usually that's because in my house there's some kind of bout going on somewhere that no one... anyway. I don't know what happens in your place. People talk about the witching hour between about 5 o'clock and 7 o'clock at night. Does anyone know what I'm talking about? And that's where the whistle comes. It's a little bit more like referee. But here's the thing. That's not my main point. My main point here is that when dads lock things in, the kids have got a foundation from which to uh, springboard from. You see, dads have been made strong not so that they can dominate their children or exploit them, but so they can bring consistency, structure and discipline into their kids lives. So our kids can focus on being kids and not be worried about other things. There's not too many dads, if, if I asked you this question, it would say, yes, do you want your kids to be going out there and doing the things they need to do and just be anxious about whether their dad loves them? Like who wants that? No one wants that. But a kid that's out there doing life and pursuing who God's made them to be, who's absolutely persuaded that their dad loves them and backs them the whole way they're going to be a kid that's going to operate with a level of confidence that other kids may not. You see, when when kids are assured that the back end is locked in really tight, sometimes that actually might mean that they take more risks than they might otherwise because they know it's going to be all right. There's a solid and strong foundation. Listen to this about God in Psalm 145 verse 8 to 9. The Lord is gracious and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. The Lord is good to all and His mercy is over all that He has made. You notice the word LORD there twice, in all caps. mean, just think for a moment about God's lordship, His boss, His kingship is, is, is ruling in a really helpful, productive way over creation and over us. Think about what that means about how you can operate. Like he's in charge. He's like he's he's the boss man, and he's good. And it means that tomorrow you don't have to worry about what's going to happen tomorrow because he's in charge and he loves you and he's compassionate toward you. He's slow to anger. It's like let's have a crack at it tomorrow. <laughs> Isn't that it? Like, let's just have a good red hot go at tomorrow, whatever that's going to be, because Dad's got my back. Does anyone know what I'm talking about? Like it's one of those things. Like you you don't you probably don't think about it that much i mean you think about it a lot if you weren't loved <laughs> it's like all the kids here like if your if your dad loves you and you know that your dad loves you you probably don't think about it a lot but if your dad didn't love you and you weren't sure about it and you weren't sure how he's going to flip out when you got home it probably would play on your mind a little bit god's commitment to you provides great security f- for you from which you can operate jesus says this in john ten twenty seven to 29 my sheep hear my voice and i know them and they follow me i give them eternal life and they will never perish and no one will snatch them out of my hand my father who has given them to me is greater than all and no one is able to snatch them out of his hand <laughs> think about how foolhardy this truth might actually make you is anyone with me yeah. like you are so locked in at the back end And what the foundation is so locked in of God's love and his care and his commitment to you. And there is no one that exists that is stronger than him. He is the sovereign. He is the Lord. He's the ruler over everything. You could like be a little bit foolhardy sometimes, couldn't you? Because you're just going, it's going to be all right. (laughs) I can just have a red hot go at this and this is going to be all right. Dad has got that covered. He's going to pick me up. I'll just have a crack. It'll be okay. I think you'd be chuffed if I had a crack at it. That'd be it, right? I mean, the psalmist says no one who trusts him will ever be put to shame. And dads, I want to say to you this morning, this is the backing that you've got from God the Father. You've got that kind of backing from God the Father. So get into it. Be that person for your your children. I want to give you a quick example of how almost foolhardy (laughs) you could be uh, if you kind of had that locked in. This is uh, 1 Samuel 14. I'm not going to read all of that. I'll just read uh, uh, the first part of it there and then tell you the rest of the story. One day Jonathan, the son of Saul, said to the young man who carried his armor, Come, let us go over to the Philistine garrison on the other side. But he did not tell his father. Jonathan said to the young man who carried his armor, Come, let us go over to the garrison of these uncircumcised. It may be that the Lord will work for us, for nothing can hinder the Lord from saving by many or by few. There's two of them, right? And Jonathan says, let's just... Let's have a crack. Let's go over. There's a Philistine outpost. Let's go over there. And, like, and Jonathan goes, here's the deal. If they call us to come up because they say we're going to teach you a couple of things, that means God's with us. And they go over there. And of course the Philistines say, come up here. We're going to teach you a lesson or two. They get up the top and, and uh, Jonathan and his armor bearer slaughter 20 of them on their own in an acre, it says, in uh, 1 Samuel 14. See, it's almost a bit foolhardy. But he had such great confidence in who God was and God's support of him, he's prepared to do something that was a bit radical and a little bit crazy. Dads, that is kind of what we're meant to be for our kids, right? Lock it in really tight for them at the back end so that they can actually just do a few things. You just go, okay, well, listen, that's pretty brave, but I'm going to be here to pick you up if it doesn't go well. All right, I'll be here to help put things back together. Number two. God made dads strong so they would never give up. Who knows that there's pressure on families these days? Yeah? Who knows that kids get pressure from their peers, from their own struggles, from the things that they do, from who they are. Families get under pressure. People feel like giving up. Wives, children. I want to say to you gentlemen, that Father's Day is a reminder that we're not to give up. Ever, <laughs> ever, ever ever and here's what i want to say to you dads uh, you can do it you have got the stuff to do this you've got the stuff to never ever give up one reason i know it is because australians have demonstrated it australian men have demonstrated that they've got what it takes i was talking to an american guy a couple of weeks ago and uh You know what I said to him, Uh, we were just talking about uh, what makes Australia unique, right? And I don't know whether you've ever noticed, but like Americans love to talk about their kind of shock and awe kind of military victories, all right? And it's it's an interesting thing, like when you stop and you actually talk about what are the, and you think about what are the war stories for Australia that demonstrate who we are, they're not these big shock and awe victories, (laughs) are they? It's like Gallipoli, which was not a success <laughs> in one sense. In another sense, a massive success. You think about Long Tan, if you know the story of Long Tan, it was like not many Australians getting way outnumbered by the enemy in Vietnam. And you think about the rats of Tobruk you know, a massive kind of victory in the sense of them being able to withstand these assaults, but the The Rats of Tobruk wasn't a massive big push forward, an attacking victory, it was a defensive victory. You see, so many of our war stories that give Australians identity are not about impressive victories, but they're about hanging in there in the middle of pressure and difficulty. Australians love the idea that we could have a small number of people in Long Tan under assault from lots of the enemy and being able to hold out. We love being outnumbered and being able to come through. And I want to say to you, dads, that that's how you've been made. If there's going to be a fight on in your family, it's not you fighting with your family, it's you fighting for your family. Amen? I'd be that person. That's how God's made you to be, dads. It's the nature of being a man and being a father that you give an account of yourself that's more than what other people expect. I don't know what you're up to in your own life, I don't know what's happening in your own life, but this is the call of a man and the call of a father. See, men are, a lot of dads, unfortunately, have been caught up fighting battles that are about them and about what they want. They end up in these silly fights that are not the ones that they're called to. You know, I think at the end of the day, God's called men, if there's a scrap on and something's being threatened, someone's being threatened and it's good to defend and engage in that scrap that's what God's made men to do I've got uh, four sons one of the things I've taught my sons basically is uh, when you go up and you shake the hand of a man they'll have to revise this when they get older and they uh, turn into men I said when you go up and shake the hand of a man you shake it as hard as you can you squeeze as hard as you can when you shake their hand you know why because I want to teach them you need to be a man that communicates even in a handshake that you're not to be trifled with Alright, you're not just going to be a walkover. And gentlemen, this is what we need to be like. We need to be men who don't just kind of give in and go soft about things. We need to be people that's like, you're not just taking on a wuss at this point. And I'm not just talking about physical strength. I'm talking about internal strength to fight good battles. We're going to be people of substance. When the pressure comes on, gentlemen, we need to be the people that put our hand up and say, this is what I've been made for. Because I actually think that you're made for a bit of a scrap and a bit of a fight. Not with your spouse <laughs> and not with your children but with, uh, with enemies that come against you and come against your family. Influences that would seek to destroy the good. I mean, think about our culture. Where would God have you fight in our culture for the good? Don't give up. God made men strong so they would never give up because God is someone who never gives up psalm 27 10 for my father and my mother have forsaken me but the lord will take me in you see the psalmist is saying even if my natural father and mother give up on me god won't god will never ever give up on you number three god made fathers strong to fix stuff so i just want to set the record straight this morning a little bit all right um, one of the things that has often been talked about to do with men, and it's usually a complaint by their wives or their girlfriends, is that their wives will say, I came home and I told my husband about all these things that happened in my day that weren't very good and then he just got to trying to fix it all. Does anyone know what I'm talking about? And so I, I just wanted him to listen about what happened in my day and he just got to trying to fix everything, right? Now I do think, I do think that Men can do well and they could improve in the way that they relate so they connect with their wives about that stuff, right? But who here actually thinks it's a good thing that men have got this bent within them that I think God's created to kind of fix stuff? Yeah, it is, right? Because there's lots of busted stuff around the place. Now, it's good for it to be tempered a little bit so that we make sure that husbands and wives are connecting really well. But it's a good thing to actually have this mechanism inside... And I want to give fellas a rap today. Fellas, I'm giving you a rap for being people that want to fix stuff, all right? Because there's lots of stuff that need fixing. I actually think it's part of the creation mandate. You're made to protect and to bring order to stuff, right? So when you're sitting at home and your wife comes home or maybe the husband comes home and joins the wife and she starts talking about all this stuff that's out of order, right? It's not such a bad thing that you're thinking, okay, we need to get this stuff in order, All right, now the way that you do that is important, but is everyone with me? It's a good thing. So Genesis 2 verse 15, the Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work and to keep it. The role of the man was to guard and keep. Now that's made doubly hard by the entrance of sin in Genesis 3, right? It gets messier. There's more stuff that gets busted up. It's harder to keep things in order. And mums who take responsibility for uh, looking after the cleanliness of houses know about that. All right? Um, It's almost like my my lad's just going to roster on for messing stuff up. It's like, okay, you're on this hour and then you're going to chime in after that. And it's just a trail of stuff around the house. I do chip in with cleaning, but uh, Andrew's more attuned to that. Can I say that? Mm Then I am. Lots more things break now, right? In our world because of sin. My uh, office in my house, is the place that you take broken stuff. (laughs) It's like this magic place in the house. It's like the kids break something and they just go, just stick it in Dad's office. Like it magically comes out of there fixed. Sometimes I'm really disappointed. They put something in there and I come here and I go, buddy, I just can't fix that one. There's nothing I can do to fix that one. It's like, really? You can't do it? But that's where you take stuff to get fixed. Think about what's going on around you. What's broken that needs fixing around you? What's broken in your family? This city, Toowoomba. What's broken in Australia? What's broken in our culture? See, when you utilise your strength to fix stuff alongside God, you image Him because He's a fixer. See, who knows this? God is into redemption, restoration and healing, isn't He? You know that? Oh, he's a fixer. (laughs) That's what he is. Listen to this from Psalm 147.3. He heals the brokenhearted and binds up their wounds. He's a fixer. I mean, we're all the the recipients here of a God that fixes stuff, right? And he's made men to fix stuff. I mean, look at this ultimate kind of fixing that God's going to do when uh, Jesus comes back. The wolf shall dwell with the lamb, and the leopard shall lie down with the young goat, and the calf and the lion and the fattened calf together. There's going to be this incredible peace and fixing that's going to happen creation-wide when Jesus comes back. It's incredible. Here's my last point. God made dads weak too. Some of you have probably been thinking about this as I've been talking. You can think about times where you've fallen short, where you haven't been as strong as you wished you had been. Maybe times where you've used your strength for selfish hands, you've just done it for your own stuff. I want to say to you this morning, God made you so that you couldn't do things on your own. You weren't made to operate independently, dads. Like you have to sort everything out yourself. God made you to be dependent upon him. Acts 17, 24 to 25, the God who made the world and everything in it being Lord of heaven and earth does not live in temples made by man nor is he served by human hands as though he needed anything since he himself gives to all mankind life and breath and everything. You don't own your life, your breath or anything. You're dependent upon him. The good strength that you have dads is a derived strength. It comes from God himself and you're a shadow of who he is as a father. And I would encourage you to reach out to him for his strength, the strength to keep going, to back up again after failure, to, to push through and to lead your kids through hard times. Go to him and ask him for, your, for his help.